I'm delighted that you're tuning into the Gluten-Free Globalicious podcast today. I'm gluten-free chef Lori Miller, and I'm delighted to be interviewing Kara Harris, a celiac and registered dietitian nutritionist living in Petaluma, California. Kara will share her celiac diagnosis story after the birth of her first daughter and her very exciting plans and goals to reach the gluten-free community. So let's get started. Hi, Kara. This is Lori. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Lori. How are you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you being here and giving our listeners a whole bunch of new information today because you work in an important industry, an important category for people who have celiac disease. So why don't you start by um, introducing yourself and tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, As you said, my name is Kara. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, I was diagnosed with celiac disease back in 2016. Um, You know, I I have a family, a long family history of celiac disease, but still, for some reason, the celiac diagnosis was a big shock to me. (laughs) Um, I've been working as a dietitian for almost 10 years, and my whole career has been in um, long-term care, essentially, at a continuous care retirement community, working both with um, long-term care patients, subacute rehab, outpatient, um, as well as with the food service department. But when I received my diagnosis, um, you know, my whole perspective changed. Um, even as a dietitian, um, there was still a whole lot to learn, and um, it just kind of changed my pathway, I think, for the people I want to serve. So I'm now very passionate about helping other people who are newly diagnosed with celiac disease and navigate this very challenging transition. That's really interesting that you've, you know, you're able to really walk the walk and talk the talk because you were diagnosed. So you're really a great asset to the whole like international celiac community. I just, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So you were diagnosed with celiac disease after the birth of your daughter. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious to know what were the symptoms that you were dealing with pre-diagnosis? Did how far back can you remember suffering with undiagnosed celiac disease? Like for me, I I can remember suffering, you know, from the age of six years old. I'm um, mm-hmm. not not knowing what it was until I got to be forty years old. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, it was a lot of years suffering. What were your re- memories of all of the symptoms and reactions and dealing with that pre-diagnosis? Sure. So um, I'm sure you're well aware that there are hundreds of symptoms when it comes to celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Some of them are the classic symptoms of um GI upset, bloating, pain, um, you know, all of the really fun GI stuff that people deal with. And then there's the things that are a little bit more subtle, um, anemia, fatigue, brain fog, uh, a bunch of other things that, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I would say that my earliest memories really are just some of those very vague, um, unspecific symptoms. So I remember being back in my, I don't know, late teens and doing blood work and being on the anemic side, but the doctor is not thinking anything of it. And they just like, oh, you're just a little bit anemic. It's no big deal. Um, But just as the time went on, I developed um, a lot of skin rashes, which uh, again, isn't a classic symptom, but Mm -hmm. I've seen dermatologists for decades. And essentially they all just said, I don't know what to do with you. Um, I wish I could 
just cover you in Vaseline and um, help have that help. But no one ever looked at root causes. Um, mm-hmm. They gave me even topical steroids, none of which ever really worked maybe temporarily, but my, you know, I suffered from chronic, um, body rashes since my, you know, early years. I can remember like five years old being covered in, um, like medicinal creams after my bath with my mom. And, um, so those are like my earliest memories, um, just kind of random things that doctors and dermatologists could never pinpoint. Um, and honestly, those are, are some of my chronic symptoms, these very Mm -hmm. vague ones. Um, and it wasn't until after the birth of my daughter, um, that these rashes became much more severe. Um, and at that point, my sister had been diagnosed with celiac disease based on her, um, dermatitis herpetiformis, which is the celiac skin condition. Mm -hmm. Um, so after my sister's diagnosis, I was like, you know what? celiac runs very strongly in my family. I need to go figure out if this is what's going on with me. And it actually took quite a fight with my doctor. Um, she again said, I don't have any of the classic symptoms. So why are we going to run these tests? And I really just had to advocate for myself mm-hmm. and say, and my grandmother, my sister, several of my aunties, my cousins, like this is, this runs in my family and it's genetic. Let's go ahead and run these tests. And even though I'm not symptomatic to your description, let's go ahead and run the tests. Mm-hmm. So uh, we ran the celiac blood panel first, which came back um, with high indicators of celiac disease. And um, after that, did the endoscopy. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you pushed for that because that's a lot of times I'm hearing that that's what people have to do is they have to yeah. literally go in there and kind of be a little mean and push yeah. because they're not going to just suggest it. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, because a lot of the symptoms are not these classic symptoms, mm-hmm. they're not getting tested for. And um, a lot of the frustrations I hear from people these days is, again, the doctors didn't believe them, which prolongs the ultimate diagnosis of celiac, which just puts their body um, at risk for other complications when mm-hmm. it's being undiagnosed for such a long period of time. Wow. So how long did it take you after your diagnosis to feel better? Like, where you really just look back? I mean, for me, I, I remember it was at least six months. And I remember the day waking up with no pain. And like you, I had suffered lifelong rashes, scalp rashes and blisters on my finger. And, and those rashes that look like I had been burned when the curling iron when they stabbed uh-huh. up. And so I remember, you know, getting diagnosed in November. And then six months later, in May, I was like, I'm waking up and I'm feeling good. Oh my gosh. I was crying because I felt so good. How long did it take you? Well, it's funny. So let's see. I got diagnosed, I think it was the beginning of December in 2016. And I, I was feeling pretty good. I would say about six months afterwards, too. And I think that's something that people um, who are newly diagnosed need to hear as well, that it's not an overnight um, turnaround. For some, it is. They start feeling better in a couple days. And again, I'll emphasize that everybody is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does it does take six months to a year or two for your gut to heal after you get diagnosed and you're following a strict gluten-free diet. But it's interesting that you asked that question because I was diagnosed and I would say 
six months later when I was feeling good is when I got pregnant with my second daughter. Uh (laughs) Uh, I I was feeling a whole different way then. But comparing my two pregnancies to one pre-diagnosis and one Mm post-diagnosis, I felt fabulous my second pregnancy. And I don't know if it was because my body just was in a better state of health. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, you know, when you ask how I was feeling, I was feeling well, uh, but then my body was going through a whole nother transition the second pregnancy too. So. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it must have been a relief for you, though, to have that kind of, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a detoxification, and then your body Absolutely. was, you know, healed in a way, and even though you were having your second child, it was like, must have been a, a good feeling for you. Oh, absolutely. Not only that, but it was a peace of mind as well. Yeah. Uh, putting to rest this question that's been in my head for a very long time, again, knowing that celiac is genetic and kind of, it was almost looming over me for a long time, Mm -hmm. not knowing. And, um, I, I know differently now that a long time ago I could have maybe tested to see if I wasn't even was a gene carrier. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a whole nother side, side subject, but, um, it, it did give me a peace of mind knowing that I was, taking care of my body, um, the best way that I could, mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. So that definitely was a relief. Right. So you mentioned that it's a genetic and, and a genetic thing in your family and that a lot of people have been diagnosed with celiac disease. So within your own home, you know, with your kids and your husband, how are you, are you eating, are all of you eating gluten-free? And in addition to your extended family, are you eating gluten-free too? So in my home, um, we maintain a, a gluten-free home with the only exception being my husband's beer. <laughs> uh-huh. I, could, I couldn't quite get him to give that up. But other than that, he's been very supportive. He's, you know, more of a primary cook than I am right now, mm-hmm. um, just given our, our lifestyle. Um, and he's adapted to cooking completely gluten-free. Um, you know, day one after I was diagnosed, we came home and just picked packed up everything in our house that was unsafe for me mm-hmm. and gave it, gave it away to family and friends. Um, so in our home, we're gluten-free. Um, my kids currently eat gluten outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so does my husband as well, but inside the house, because it's really, it's a safe haven. It's so mm-hmm. just for me. And I know everybody is different and some families choose to have a, um, a mixed home of gluten and gluten-free, which is absolutely fine too, if that works for their family. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, it's, it's comforting to be able to come home and not have a worry in my mind about mm-hmm. what's safe and being as cautious as you have to be when you're outside of the home. So mm-hmm. that's what we've chosen to do. Um, and that works for us. That's good. That's yeah. I, I, I have that too. My husband and I don't have any children because, you know, I had a lot of issues with my undiagnosed celiac disease that it caused, you know, a wrecked havoc on my immune system and my reproductive system. So I wasn't able to have kids, but you know, he and I, we, he, he is a gluten eater. He loves his gluten. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, you know, he, he'll cook gluten-free for me, but he still enjoys his bread and, you know, people get in a panic about, oh my gosh, what about the crumbs? But it's like, if you, if you cut your bread near the sink and you just wipe your crumbs into the sink, you know, I'm not going to take that in. We're very careful about that. But I, I have heard, and you know, this is a question you might not have been prepared for for me to ask, but what do you think about those kinds of relationships where the celiac person is dating or engaged or married to someone and they have this mandate that 
that person, the other person has to give up gluten or the relationship is not okay. <laughs> what do you think about that? Gosh, that is, I mean, that's a really big question. It's funny you asked that because somebody just reached out to me yesterday with a similar question. What do you do if you're with someone and they eat gluten? Can you kiss them? Can you do this, that, and the other? And I mean, it, like everything else, it is a learning curve. It is a very personal decision. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm married and like I said, my husband eats gluten and, uh, drinks his beer and you just have to make adjustments to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can get creative, um, I kind of lost track of your initial question, but um, I, I think it would be challenging to give somebody an ultimatum unless, mm -hmm. unless you're, you know, if that is a deal breaker for you, that again, that's a personal question. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's somebody out there where there would be no problem. Of course I'll give up gluten. It's not a big deal. Um, and maybe that's just their route of finding the right person for them. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. It's, it, I think it's all just a very personal decision um, between the couples because, I don't know, you're choosing, it's, food choices are such a, it's a very sensitive subject, so to ask somebody else who's not celiac to give it up completely is, right. you know, not nece not necessarily a fair um, ultimatum, but again, that's everybody's personal choice. It's almost as though food allergies and food discussions are becoming one of those taboo subjects like politics and religion. <laughs> sure, no, it absolutely because food, food is such an emotional thing mm -hmm. for so many reasons. I mean, I'm Italian, so asking an Italian to give up their pasta, ooh-wee, that <laughs> that's tough, you know. And we have family mm -hmm. vacations. We have relatives in Italy, and we plan to go there next summer. Um, and my sister and I are trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to make this work? Um, because there's no way we could ask our family, okay, around us, please don't do that because mm -hmm. that's not fair. Um, people get to enjoy their life um, you know, despite your diagnosis and, um, you know, you got to figure things out and make it work and be joyful and be happy for others and happy for yourself and, and figure it out. Well, from what I've gathered, I haven't been to Italy since my diagnosis, but from what I gather from people who have written for my publication and um, reading other people's posts on social media, Italy is a very safe place to go usually now for celiacs. They have over 4,000 and something um, Italian Celiac Association certified restaurants where the, gov yeah. the government actually trains the restaurants employees how to prepare food for celiacs. So I think it's a haven for celiacs and gluten-free eaters from what I hear. That's amazing. Amazing. It is. So tell me about your kids. So your kids are able to eat gluten. They don't have any problems. You haven't had them. They're little, right? They're very small. They are. Yeah, so I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, we have not tested either of them yet. We've been talking closely with our pediatrician about that. Uh -huh. um, so far, they're not symptomatic. Um, they're both growing and thriving and doing great on the growth charts and no, again, no outward symptoms that we can see at this point. I, I kind of watch them like a hawk mm -hmm. <laughs> to, see, to see if there's anything that is troubling because, as you know, I want to catch anything at first sight. Um, and we're just trying to figure out what the best route is. Do we want to do a, a, a cheek swab and see what their DNA pulls up as far as the genetics? Um, because if they're not gene carriers, like if they were lucky to get my husband's genes and not mine, um, then we don't have to worry about it. If they are gene carriers, but maybe the, um, the disease hasn't 
um, activated yet, then we can keep our, an eye out to see when they might become symptomatic because not all gene carriers end up turning into celiac disease. So mm-hmm. um, that's a process, again, it's a very personal one. Um, we have not tested them yet. It's, it's on our to-do list, but the idea of um, doing a blood draw on a three-year-old is <laughs> feels traumatizing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, we'll start likely with the genetic test, although, again, those type of tests can be quite expensive. So checking with insurance and seeing how all that works. Um, but at this point, they're both healthy and doing well and thriving. So it hasn't been um, a bridge that we've crossed yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are a few things that you'd like to share about your experience of transitioning into a gluten-free lifestyle? Because we all go through our, our obstacles. Well, first we have to deal with the reality, right? The doctor is telling you, well, this is what it is. And then the reality sets in and then you are either happy about it like I was because I finally knew what was wrong or, you know, unfortunately a lot of people get depressed and sad about it and, you know, everybody's going to deal with it differently. But um, and some people go and throw everything out and, you know, it sounds like, like you did that. I did that too. But what are a few things that you'd like to share about how you transitioned into this eternally gluten-free lifestyle? Sure. So... Um, I would say it was a total mixed bag of emotions for me. Mm -hmm. I was, in one sense, relieved to know, like I said before. In another sense, it it feels like a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, I was diagnosed in my early 30s, and at that point, you've kind of established your habits. And Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like a loss. Again, we talked about people's relationship with food, and it's very emotional. So um, there was that. Um, You know, and then... To relate it back to the diagnosis, and I got it, I think my GI doctor left it on a voicemail, and it was very straightforward. Yes, uh, your biopsy came back. It shows celiac. Okay, bye. Oh. Um, and and again, I, I get a lot of that feedback from other people who are newly diagnosed that the instruction is just go on a gluten-free diet, but it's so vague, and there's so much to learn, and it's, it's a learning journey is how I like to look at mm-hmm. it because even – as a dietitian with a food and nutrition background, there's still a lot to learn of the intricacies of the diet and the lifestyle and learning about um, cross-contact and restaurant safety. It's not just as simple as saying go on a gluten-free diet because mm-hmm. I think our, our culture is so almost, um, I don't know, I don't know the term to use for it, but they hear gluten-free all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of used lightly um, when... I think when it comes to celiac and a gluten-free diet and lifestyle, it's much more specific. And um, so it was a learning journey. And, I, you know, there are ups and downs. There are, are times, I think, going to your first holiday parties and um, kind of feeling like, oh, shoot, I didn't think ahead to bring my own food and I, I don't feel comfortable eating this. Those are hard moments, but then you just learn from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think for me, that's part of what I want to bring to this community is, um, A, a, a sense of community, letting them know that they're not alone because it can be a very lonely thing for some people in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just kind of giving them tips and things that they need to look out for, but ways to work around them so that they can still feel um, included and, and get back to their quote unquote normal life um, and live it happily because we right. all deserve that. Right. Yeah, that's all very true. Sound advice. What what other advice would you like to give to people who are newly diagnosed that might be listening today? 
Um, you know, find support where you can. Um, some people have the blessing of supportive family. Um, some I know don't have the support of a uh, family. So I know there are support groups out there. There's a, there's a lot of communities. They're welcome to reach out to me. Um, so that's one. And just take it one step at a time. Don't beat yourself up because nobody's perfect. Um, I've made mistakes. Um, you know, since I've been gluten-free, I, I think I told the story once about how, um, you know, we were at home and like I said, my husband's a beer drinker and I accidentally picked up his beer thinking it was my gluten-free beer mm-hmm. and I took a big sip of it and I was like, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so mistakes happen and I think um, to give yourself some grace and be patient with yourself and know that you're not going to learn everything overnight mm-hmm. um, and that's okay <laughs> as long as you're making steps in a positive way mm-hmm. and you start tomorrow off and, and do what you can each day until you feel more confident with it. Um, it just takes time and that's okay. And nobody's perfect. Absolutely. We're, we're not. Cause I mean, I remember when I first got diagnosed, I was like first three months and I was just completely gluten free. And then I went to New York and I couldn't resist a piece of gluten loaded pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ate it and I suffered for about three weeks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I realized very quickly that no matter how delicious and gooey and ooey something looks, it's not worth the pain. Cause after you haven't had it for a really long time and then you get it in your system. Oh, I think you suffer even more. So yeah. Yeah, and you know, these days we are quite lucky that there's so many good alternatives out there Mm -hmm. that I don't, I mean, if you kind of just trial and error and find the ones that you think are satisfying and Mm -hmm. are good alternates or substitutes, you know, you can feel satisfied and not deprived, like you're Mm -hmm. missing out those type of things and yeah it's different than a new york sliced pizza or fresh pasta in italy i mean i don't i haven't been there since diagnosis but you know it's an adjustment but um you're feeling well and you know that your body is healing and um Mm -hmm. those type of things and and like i said the the market out there um there's a lot of really great gluten-free alternatives now as opposed to even five years ago Mm -hmm. oh gosh yeah i mean yeah, back when I was diagnosed, it was like the only real bread they had was I don't want to say the brand, but it was just this like slushy, slushy, gooey rice bread, and mm-hmm. that was it. And it was like, oh no, I don't want to have that. <laughs> right, right. And now I know you've been up to San Francisco before, but mm-hmm. there's really great sourdough breads up here, gluten-free sourdoughs that you can try. And you know, being from the Bay Area, that's our thing. So food is uh, very important, right, over here yeah. in that in that yeah. area, right? <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So you're in the Petaluma and Sonoma wine area. And so are there a lot of celiacs in that area? Have you you met a lot of them or become new friends with them, Um, joined any support groups? And I remember you just said in the last portion that you, people were reaching out to you. Have you, Mm -hmm. you know, do you group together? Do you guys meet up and share foods or go and meet, meet at restaurants or anything? Well, I have not connected with a whole lot of people locally, more on the bigger scale through, um, like, Facebook groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there is a, uh, I think it's a Northern California um, Celiac Alliance group that I have uh, joined and been active in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there used to be some local meetups, but they put that on hold recently. So I've not been able to attend that. Um, and with two kids, honestly, I don't get out of the pool a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky if I can get out a couple of times, a, you know, a month or so with mm-hmm. my husband. But so really, I, I haven't been able to connect with a lot of people in person. And I think that might be the case for a lot of people. So even mm-hmm. online communities are really helpful. Um, whether it's to get advice, um, on food brands or just vent to people who understand what you're going through, Mm -hmm. um, that's always helpful. Now, how about the gluten-free food scene over there? I know like we had spoken, you and I, before this Mm -hmm. podcast about the shuckery and the, the goat, what is the the goat's place name? I forgot. The, The wild goat. The wild goat. So, um, do you, well, I know you're busy with the kids, but yeah. did you ever get to venture out into other restaurants around there? What What are some of the restaurants that you frequent that, you know, you know have gluten-free options? Well, actually, I just went into San Francisco um, this past weekend for my birthday and went to a really great place called Little Gem. I don't know if you've heard of that mm-hmm. one, but it's, it's completely dedicated, gluten-free, and it was fantastic. And like I said earlier about being your home being a safe haven, mm-hmm. finding Finding a dedicated gluten-free restaurant, even if it's just one, it's heavenly. Um, It's so nice to go into a place and, um, A, have delicious food. B, know that you can order anything on it. You don't have to worry about cross-contamination or anything. So that was was a real treat um, to be able to go there. Um, And then we actually have a couple of really great bakeries up here in the North Bay. One's called Flower Child, dedicated gluten-free bakery. They make sandwiches. They do cakes and all sorts of, of different treats. Mm-hmm. And then there's another place. Um, they have two locations in the North Bay called Flower Craft. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is pretty much just a bakery, um, but their second location has like a full menu of salads and tartines and all sorts of different things. That if it was a little bit more local to me, I would probably be there every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're in the you know Marin area, those are great places to stop by as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to those. They're very good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, they're so... yeah, they're a treat. So what about you? What do you like to cook? What's your favorite gluten-free dish to cook up? Um, good question. We, what do we make a lot? So we, I do a lot of food prep type of things. So I'll cook a big batch of quinoa or brown rice and we mm-hmm. do a variety of things with those. We'll make stir fries. You know, I like to make a lot of things that we can't get out to eat for easy takeout anymore. So mm-hmm. Asian dishes, um, you know, anything Italian, I'm a happy camper. So mm-hmm. I, I should share a couple of my favorite things. We like making homemade turkey meatballs with like either zoodles, zucchini noodles or, um, you know, a gluten-free spaghetti or something. Um, you know, and with the kids too, we, we make things kids friendly. So we'll do like chicken tenders and, uh, what are some of our other favorite things? We have a short rotation list right now that we got to expand on. So as the, uh, celiac chef, I hope to get some ideas from you. (laughs) Yeah. And plus, you know, you've, like you said, you've got little ones, so their palates are developing. You have to take it Mm -hmm. easy. You can't, can't bombard them with all these flavors and textures because, you know, they're still, they're still learning to enjoy the basics. Right. Well, yeah. and that's the thing, too. I know a lot of people, when they get diagnosed with celiac, some of them are learning how to cook again or yeah. weren't cooks in the first place that mm-hmm. need to learn how to cook because they can't grab, you know, either fast food or something. Yeah. Out so, you know, I think developing some simple recipes that are easy for newbies mm-hmm. um, is really helpful. And again, we, we, we keep it pretty simple. We'll do like a, a baked or a 
barbecued protein with a roasted vegetable and a starch. So mm-hmm. um, we, we keep it simple here with uh, two full-time working parents and kiddos. So mm-hmm. quick meals in the evening time. Have you ever, because you mentioned that you like to cook the bat- batches of quinoa, have you ever yeah. had the um, the buckwheat it's uh, it's from Eden Products. You can buy no, it at Whole, you can buy it at Whole Foods. It's in a a bag that has like a purple label, and it says um, "Hold Hold Buckwheat." Because for myself, I can't I can't eat anything that has the fiber or the hole on it. I I suffer serious um, acid reflux, so no. I have to I have to stick to like white rice, and then this buckwheat. I'm so grateful to them because they've pulled the hole off hole off of it and oh, easily digestible. But but it's so good. I tell everyone and then everybody who I've told like 12 people now in the past month and they email me or text me and say, you're right. It's so good. And even my husband now, he, you know, he used to depend on me to make it. And he's like over there <laughs> soaking his buckwheat and making batches of it. <laughs> well, I just, I just pulled it up on my computer while you were uh, mentioning that. And mm-hmm. I will certainly try, I'll pick it up and give it a try. Yeah. And I have a recipe on my website at glutenfreeglobalicious.com. Um, it's for a buckwheat tabbouleh and that comes out so good um I just make a little lemon vinaigrette and I put it in there with vegetables and chopped tomatoes and pepitas and it's a nice alternative that's for sure and then you know you're getting all of your amino acids and you're getting magnesium in there and a good fiber so for me it works so good and I always share it with people just because it's something that people are not familiar with in America they they uh-huh. eat a lot of you know just basic tabbouleh is a popular dish and throughout the world but uh-huh. the, the buckwheat version is something new and I, I love it yeah that sounds great so uh, I'm getting to, to the end of my questions for you. I wanted to have you share with us any of your future plans that you have, like any workshops, any any uh, business plans, travel plans, or programs that you're working on, or retreats. Let us know. Sure, sure. I mean, my uh, my mind goes everywhere. I want to do everything for the celiac world. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm starting small. So, um, if people want to visit me on Instagram, I'm at um, celiac.nutritionist. Um, I'm going to be having, for people who want to make their kitchens gluten-free, I'm going to have a tip sheet on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, you know, I have interest in creating an e-course to really um, allow access to more people. Uh, for transitioning into a gluten-free um, lifestyle, so to help them through that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I dream big, I would love to um, organize like celiac wellness retreats mm-hmm. uh, where we can go to a beautiful destination, have um, amazing like whole food celiac safe meals mm-hmm. for this retreat, really work on uh, the wellness portion of it and get people to connect with themselves and get, you know, heal their bodies and their mind and their spirit and their soul and through the yummy food that we can create as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a big dream down the road. But for right now, starting small, um, really trying to work with people one-on-one and give them some, um, some really easy tools to help them through this new diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I love that idea of the wellness retreats that's mm-hmm. something that you know because people in all the industries have it whether it's for chiropractic or fitness yoga meditation so yeah throw celiac retreats in there that's a right. that's something good 
yeah, I, I think that I, I personally would love it. Um, I, I hope other people would too. It, um, I'm keeping it on my, my dream list. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many, um, great, uh, properties that you can rent. I was just, I was looking at some the other day for a pop-up shop. And if you go like to peer.com, P-E-E-R.com, there's a lot of homes and office spaces, uh, places that you can rent in LA and in the Bay area. So, you know, you could always take a look at those. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Thank you. But anyway, Kara, do you have anything else that you'd like to add for our listeners? Um, Anything else that you want to want them to know about you or your plans that you've got? You know, really, first of all, I just want to say thank you to you again. I appreciate you having me on today. Um, and for anybody who's listening, um, you know, just know that there are people like myself and others who are here to support you with any questions. I know everybody's on their own unique journey. Um, so don't hesitate to reach out to people who have either been through what you're going through or might have um, some knowledge that would be helpful to you. So again, like I said, feel free to reach out to me. People can DM me on Instagram or uh, ask questions that way. And keep an eye out for any new things that I have that could be useful for them. And I'll share it however I can. (laughs) And share with them once again, your website, your Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at celiac.nutritionist. My website is in the design process. So once I have that up and running, I'll link it to my Instagram account so people can access me there as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom and knowledge and, you know, sharing that your story with us. Well, thanks, Lori. I appreciate it. Hope to talk to you soon. Isn't Kara great? Were you able to relate to her life experiences? The idea of gluten-free wellness retreats is taking off and it's so exciting to hear about this, isn't it? I hope you enjoyed my time with Kara Harris today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Gluten-Free Globalicious podcast. I'm Lori Miller and until next time, endless blessings to you all. Bye.